Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to pray and then we're going to jump right into the Word. Father, you are once again uh, more than we uh, can even imagine or think your goodness, your love, your mercy over our lives. And um, I'm just grateful for all of these that uh, followed you in obedience today in baptism from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, we rejoice. What a significant time uh, in their lives. And so today, now I just pray over this word as it's been stirring in my heart for the last five or six weeks. I pray for a fresh anointing to be upon it and uh, that all that desire to hear will hear today by the Spirit and be encouraged, strengthened, edified, build up for the work in which you have called us to be about the Father's business. I give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody says. So I want to talk about God's greatest gift. And uh, this word has been stirring in me for about five or six weeks. And uh, every time that I have meditated on it, I have gotten convicted and (laughs) felt like, wow, I don't think I'm ready to preach this word yet. Um, But uh, yesterday, as I made my final preparations, I was more so convinced that uh, I am not fully walking this word out yet. You should see your faces. (laughs) Then why are you preaching it? (laughs) Uh, Because Holy Spirit told me to. So uh, it's one of these things that I have read my entire Christian life and uh, tried to walk in in obedience to, but like many of us, Uh, have not risen to the level uh, that I would like to be. And so, as I uh, begin this word, it's actually going to last for a few weeks. Um, I want to talk to us about God's greatest gift. And obviously, we would all say, first of all, uh, that that would be Jesus Christ. And it's all wrapped up in Jesus. But Paul Uh, wrote to the church at Corinth and shared in detail uh, these words. I've done over 300 and had the privilege of uh, officiating in over 330 weddings and almost probably without exception, maybe 90% of those weddings, I have quoted a part of this um, scripture in performing weddings with young couples and talking with them and encouraging them that Uh, Love never fails. Can you say amen to that? It never, never fails. However, we fail. And uh, if we base our marriage on feelings, we are in deep (laughs) poo-poo. Amen? Because that honeymoon feeling doesn't last. And... uh, Suzanne and I this last week celebrated our 44th uh, wedding anniversary, and uh, amen. And we were uh, with Suzanne's twin sister, Suzette, at a restaurant last week, and the couple next to us was a divine appointment, and uh, Suzanne just like, I was like sitting back going, wow, listen to my, my wife was just tearing it up. She's just having this, and I kept tapping her, trying to get her to shift a little bit so I could see the lady's face, but she kept turning because she was all in it. I mean, it was like, bam, they were having this incredible conversation, and this precious lady, uh, we were out of town, and uh, uh, Suzanne asked her where she was from, and she said Gainesville, Florida, and so, well, we're from Gainesville, so story started, and she shared uh, with us, mostly with Suzanne, because she was hogging the conversation. Uh, and uh, she, she, yeah, there was a, it was a first in our marriage. <laughs> so the lady was sitting with her friend, and across the table was her friend's uh, older brother and his wife, and they were celebrating their their 50th anniversary. And so we celebrated with them and, and, uh, and the conversation uh, got into some 
very deep conversation uh, that Suzanne had with this precious lady, and she shared really tragic story of some of her life and and uh, her husband leaving her, her uh, first child um, committing suicide, uh, and then her other child's grandson, her grandson, had also died um, at a young age. It was a heartbreaking story. And I was listening to them talk, and I was thinking of this message that had been stirring in me, and this this word that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and as he talked about the power of love. And the power of love, the greatest gift that God ever gave to mankind, manifested through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life. Can you say amen to that? And uh, what he did was obviously significant. Those folks would not have been baptized today had it not been for what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that he did not stay in the grave, amen? That he was resurrected, and in that resurrection power um, is the power that we believe uh, comes on an individual when they are baptized, believing that their old man is going down, and as they come up out of that water, they come up in the newness of Christ Jesus. That's why it's significant, and that's why it's powerful, and that's why we baptize fully, immerse a person fully in water instead of sprinkling them because, first of all, there's no scriptural reference to sprinkling, but there is into baptism. Jesus himself was baptized. When he, John, his cousin, baptized him and brought him up, uh, the dove of God came over and hovered over Jesus' head, and the voice of God Almighty declared, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And, and so the significance of his love manifested in our life is what is to be the difference between our lives before salvation and after salvation. Amen? More than seven of you say amen to that. The significance is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet, oftentimes, uh, we find ourselves thinking that there are other things more important. So, I want to read this whole chapter, 13 verses, beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with verse 1. And again, this is Paul in the latter years of his life and ministry, and he's writing to the church at Corinth, and, and there's all kinds of teaching and exhortation that Paul had written to the church in Corinth, including the power of the Holy Spirit, the necessity of the Holy Spirit, the necessity of the gifts of God in our lives, and, and the necessity of us learning how to prophesy and speak God's Word and declare God's Word, no matter what your circumstances are. Can you say amen to that. Someone said something about uh, my ear uh, in the back and uh, about some of the things I've gone through. And I said, look, I've, I've had to literally make a decision that no matter what the enemy throws against me, I am not going to cave in to that. Even though in the natural, you go, my gosh, do I like have sin in my life or something? Pastor Hector got all up my face a while ago, and he said, Pastor, have you been paying your tithe? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Hector, I've been paying my tithe, giving my offerings. Bad things happen to righteous people. Amen? So let's be careful we don't sit in the seat of judgment over someone, thinking, well, because they're going through something, they must have sin in their life. No. You got an angry devil that hates you and wants to destroy your life. And he'll bring anything and everything he can against you if you will cave in to that depression, that discouragement. So in the middle of understanding all that, Paul writes this beautiful exhortation to the church. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, he declares, I am nothing. If I give away 
all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Amen, young man. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. Say those three words with me out loud. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they're going to pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love Abide, these three. But the greatest of these, say that with me out loud. But the greatest of these is love. When I was about 15, 16 years of age, I uh, had been away from my family, uh, my mom and dad, for three years by then. I was living with uh, Cheryl and Bob, my older sister and brother in law. And uh, we had gone from Gainesville. Uh, to Mississippi, from Biloxi, Gulfport, up to Columbus, uh, back to Gainesville, and then ended up in Winter Haven. And so, I am now in high school in Winter Haven, uh, 10th grade, and my basketball coach tells me about this uh, camp up in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, an FCA athletic camp, and told me that I should go. And so he helped me to figure it out. Um, I don't know where the money came from for me to uh, uh, purchase my uh, entrance into the camp. And ultimately, um, I got on a bus from uh, Winter Haven and went all the way to Asheville, North Carolina. And it was about 16 or 18 miles from the bus stop uh, up to uh, the camp in Black Mountain. And uh, I had no money, not a dime. And uh, I got off the bus when I realized, well, this is not where the camp is. And so I started asking around this before cell phones and GPSs and and uh, Google and everything. And so I start figuring out where, where's Black Mountain and, and, and I'm told how far away it is and I had no money. So I grabbed my suitcase, went out to the highway and I stuck out my thumb. And, uh, and eventually uh, this gentleman came by in a pickup truck and uh, picked me up and I told him where I was going. And so it was out of his way, but he drove me um, to the mountain and then drove me up the mountain to where the camp was, dropped me off literally at the front door. Hand of God, I do not recommend any children uh, to do this at all, ever, or even adults. Um, so I got to the camp and, and uh, I met my uh, huddle up uh, guy and he was a starting quarterback for the University of Miami and, and uh, ended up in conversation and found out he had a brother that was Down syndrome, mentally retarded. And I had a brother, uh, as many of you know, Buddy, uh, who also was Down syndrome. He was 10 years older than I was, never supposed to live to be seven, never supposed to walk. And uh, after living with Cheryl and Bob, he passed away at 65 years of age, part of our church family. And uh, every week I had a guaranteed one salvation because Buddy would get saved every Sunday. <laughs> now, he would also cuss you out in the parking lot if you mess with him. And uh, he liked the word S-H. Uh, and, uh, and so, but, but Buddy was such a gift to our family. We have Buddy stories that just 
Anybody that ever knows Buddy has a Buddy story. And, uh, but uh, so this young man and I became good friends. And um, at the end of the camp, I realized that I had only purchased a one-way ticket to Asheville. And so he had his mom coming by and his brother to pick him up to drive him all the way back to Miami. Uh, and he had to go through Polk County and drop me off at home in Winter Haven. Totally a God thing. But at the camp, there was a significant teaching and uh, push on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And every morning we would start off with a prayer time, worship time, chapel, and then we would have our uh, private time where they just encourage you to go all over the mountain and find a secluded place and have a quiet time uh, with the Lord. And it, it impacted my life in such a significant way because the speaker on the very first morning read out of 1 Corinthians 13, and then he challenged us with something that I miserably, in my own judgment, failed at. So I went up to find this spot. I have a picture uh, of this, uh, of me sitting on this rock overlooking this crazy cliff. Don't do that either as well. Um, but i sitting on the edge of this cliff several thousand feet above sea level. And, um, and I started this exercise that our uh, instructor had instructed us with, and it came out of 1 Corinthians 13. And it was just uh, verse... Uh, started with verse 4 and, um, and then in verse 7, but where it says love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant. Then down in verse 4 it says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. He challenged us to take the word love out, you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> and put your own name. George is not arrogant. Whew. <laughs> or rude. George does all these things. And I found myself going, wow. That's, that's who I want to be. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So here I am now at 66 years of age, yesterday taking a little prayer walk. And I tried to use the exercise again. George is patient. The two women that were sitting between or on each side of me during baptism knows how horribly I fell. Because I'm thinking, Pastor Ron, come on, you got to get rolling with this. Come on, Hector, you, you can't prophesy over everyone in the baptismal tank. You take, and, and Melissa says, I know, he's taking you preaching time. And, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm antsy. I come by it naturally. And so did Pastor Ron. Because on Thursday when we were celebrating his mom and his whole family was up here on the stage with him and his sister had the first uh, chance of the mic and she was just, she, it was great. She was telling, and I wasn't impatient. <laughs> Even though I'm supposed to speak. But I'm thinking the longer she speaks, the less my message is. I'm just, I'm cutting that out. Yeah, I don't need to say that. She already said that. Man, you know, just, but, but Pastor Ron, now that was a different story. I'm going to throw him under the bus. He, he had the microphone. He's standing up here. And we're all smiling and laughing. And she's telling great stories about Mama Hyatt that we didn't know about. And Ronnie, he ain't smiling. He's got his mic and he's like moving around. He's up, he's back. And I'm like, Ronnie, Relax. <laughs> but he could say the same thing about me if he had looked at me over here because I'm, I'm like, okay, this baptism is going on. <laughs> We've done past 15 minutes, heading to 20, up to 23. 23. <laughs> I could have baptized all 12 of them in about seven minutes. <laughs> in and out of the tank. <laughs> But it was precious. It's just that sometimes George is not patient. <laughs> I'm thinking, Lord, why you got to do this to me on the day you're making me preach this message? And he says, because, son, I love you. There we go. Yes, yes. 
and I'm not through with you yet. Amen? Not through. So before y'all start pointing those fingers of spiritual judgment up here, I know most of y'all. You got some quirks. You got some things in you that you know you don't want to have to come up here on stage and the Lord make you tell publicly. Right? George is patient and kind. George does not envy or boast. George is not arrogant or rude. Wow. And all laughing and kidding aside, Jesus was all of those things. He handled it. He had a grace that you and I are not there yet. And he's not casting judgment on us. And this message is not a judgment on me or on you. It's an encouragement that the Lord is working on all of us. Can you say amen out loud? He's working on us. And he's challenging us on, because in this day and hour that we're living in, hatred is everywhere. Blacks are against whites, whites are against blacks, whites and blacks are against browns, browns are against yellows. And I mean, we're all, there's always something. Judgment on one another. Judgment on a different church. Well, they're not like us. They don't preach like us. They don't do like us. Like, when have we ever been the us that is perfect? We're all walking in this grace of growing and loving. D.L. Moody, I read this quote from him. He said, the one great need in our Christian life is love. More love to God, more love to each other. Would that we could all move into this love chapter and live there. Because the only thing that's going to be a positive impact on our lives to an unsaved world is our love one for another. Scripture actually says it. They'll know that you belong to me. By the way you, woo, dance in church. Nope. The way you play those instruments. Nope. The way you serve those children in children's church. Nope. The way you love one another. But see, we're not just called to love one another. We're called to love our enemies. The beauty of this baptism this morning was young and old, different colors of beautiful skin. Because God loves all his children. And we proclaim to love God and we don't love one another. We don't love people of a different nationality, background. Poor people don't love rich people. Rich rich people despise poor people. We have all of these struggles. And then we go to church and act like something that we're not. We're getting ready, as it's been announced, um, getting ready for another reach week. And it's going to be, when is it going to (laughs) be? July? It's going to be in July. It's going to be another opportunity for us as a people during the same time. Several things are going to be happening. We're going to have a busy summer. But we got a group going to Columbia to represent the Rock of Gainesville, to love on, encourage, and help the church in Columbia at the same time. We're going to be going throughout this community, loving and touching and serving and helping. What we don't want to do is do it because of our religiosity so that we can get a pat on the back. We want to love in a significant way that not only our actions, but our attitude 
impacts those who are lost. Anybody can get in a good debate with an unbeliever about the events of today. Jamie talked about them. Steve Flanagan talked about some of it last Wednesday night at family night. There's all kind of stuff out there that we can debate, and before long, our righteous indignation rises up, and we think, we, I got to do this. But do we really have to do this? Is our debating going to change a person, or is our love for them going to impact their life? That you can say, you know what, I respect you and your decision, but I'm going to express to you my love for you in the midst of what you believe. Because God loves them. Man, we, we can today, we can really stir up our righteous, we call it righteous anger. But in reality, we're just angry. I mean, our whole nation right now is just angry. We're angry at the people that don't believe like we believe. We're angry at injustice. And I believe that we can have righteous anger and sin not. I haven't always achieved it. Sometimes I just take it up and I think I have to defend God. Can I tell you something? You don't have to defend God. All this rhetoric, all this stuff you hear people saying that they believe, one day they're going to bow their knee and declare Jesus is Lord. Unfortunately for many, it'll be too late. Depart from me into everlasting darkness. These are people that God loves. He did not create hell for them. They get to choose it. The thing that might change their life is if we learn how to come and express a God kind of love. And I'm telling you, I'm standing up here before you today and saying I have not and do not always walk in this. I was deeply convicted Yesterday, as I'm writing my own notes out, I'm, I'm convicted of what I'm writing. Like, Lord, why don't we wait a few weeks on this? Yeah, how many weeks you want me to wait? You're 66 years old. <laughs> you, you've been walking with me since you were eight. It, it's time for us to work on this. Well, can't we work on this privately? He said, oh, it's going to be much easier after you confess <laughs> <laughs> There's something good about the confession of the soul. Because I want my life to count. I don't want to grow old and be some angry Christian. I, I want to love people the way that Jesus loved them. That's pretty intense. You see, he hung on a tree. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Wow, that's a, that's a kind of love I would like to understand. I'd like to walk in. You see, many of us that have grown up in the church have been taught that the greatest truth or principle in the Word of God or the kingdom of God is, anybody know? Faith. It's faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith, and it is radically important. You see, you're never probably going to truly walk out the love of God if you don't have faith in God. Because the truth, the principle is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus was the result of God's love for mankind. He loved us in our sin. 
He loves them in their sin. He does not want them separated from him for eternity, but he will not violate their will. He beckons, he calls, he encourages. Man, these folks that were baptized, they came out of a response because they were either raised up in this house, Nigel and Rachel, that was their last of their children to be baptized. That's a, that's a, that's a significant thing. The other Chung Yu still have a few left, I think. Yeah, a couple of them. One more, that's it. All right. I asked one of my granddaughters who was in my office this morning, we're talking about baptism with three of my grandkids, and two of them had already been baptized. So I said to the third one, when do you want to be baptized? She just smiled with her. She got a tooth missing. She just smiled with her old toothless smile. I said, well, not yet, Baba. <laughs> That's okay. Because until she's ready, because it's significant. And it's significant for children. I love that most of the time, half of our baptisms or more are children that have been raised in this house. But the beauty of these men, this mom that got baptized, they, wow, that's miraculous. I mean, it's miraculous when an adult surrenders their life to the Lord Jesus. Not to religion, but to a relationship. And out of that relationship, God loves them so much, he's never going to leave you alone. His Holy Spirit comes and taps you on the shoulder. And just so y'all know, they took some of my time, so I don't even care what that clock says. I'll, I'll finish when I finish this morning. Y'all need to leave the doors back there. Just do it quietly. Food won't taste any better if you get there in two minutes than it will an hour from now. But God loves us. So when I talk about faith, I'm not saying faith isn't important. You can't be saved without faith. But because of your faith, because of your relationship with the living God, all of a sudden now he gives us this principle. And Paul says, it's the greatest there is. Matter of fact, he says, faith, hope, and love abide. They're real. They're important. But the greatest of these is love. You, saw, you see, I looked at Paul's life yesterday. I was thinking about Paul. I was thinking about my shortcomings. And I didn't feel good hanging out there real long. So I thought about somebody else's. So I thought about Paul's. <laughs> I mean, I only beat myself up for so long, you know. <laughs> I need some company here. <laughs> so I thought about Paul. And when Paul, who was named Saul, first came on the biblical scene in the book of Acts, he was not living a life that portrayed love. Matter of fact, he was going around killing Christ's followers. He had blood on his hands. He, in the name of God, was killing every one of us. Because in his mind, he thought, we were blasphemers. And then Saul had an encounter that changed his life. God spoke to him audibly. The light of heaven shone so bright that Saul fell off of his horse. And those that were with him heard the voice but saw no one. They saw the light, but they did not have the same encounter. Paul's blinded, and somebody comes along and takes him to a house. And three days later, Holy Spirit speaks to a man and says, I need you to go lay hands on Saul. <laughs> Anybody else up there talking? Because the last I heard, this guy was killing people like me. And as long as he's blind, I can talk to him, but he can't see me. I can mess with his head. Holy Spirit said, no, he belongs to me. Amen. He belongs to me. Lay hands so he can see. 
And he went, he obeyed, laid hands. Saul started walking with God. And even in Saul's earlier years, after he was named Paul by Holy Spirit, there was a, there was a strictness about Paul. There was a stubbornness. Him and Barnabas, man, they looked like they were a team sent straight from heaven. They were impacting lives. But one day, Paul and Barnabas get in a discussion. Anybody married? <laughs> Y'all have discussions, right? Paul and Barnabas are having a discussion about John Mark. And Barnabas says, we're going to take John Mark with us. And Paul goes, oh, no, we're not. That boy's a coward. That boy ain't got no backbone. They got in such a heated argument, they split ways. Man, I'm telling you, God is tired of his children splitting ways. Whether you're married, I don't understand at all, ever. Married people that love Jesus getting a divorce. Now hear me, many of you have suffered through divorce. Don't sit here and think I'm pointing fingers of judgment because I'm not. I'm just saying that when two people profess, confess, and declare their love for Jesus Christ, how do you end up divorced? Because love is not a key ingredient. Religion might be, your doctrines might be, but the thing that will keep you together is a determination that God's love is bigger than this pain, resentment, anger, frustration. Why can't she? Why doesn't he? And in the church, the body of Christ, do you realize over the hundreds of years of the body of Christ, how many churches have split because it was time to change the color of carpet and they would get in heated arguments. Churches split. Pastors are voted in. Pastors are voted out over differences. Where's the love of God in that? I've always said to anyone that's ever come to me and said, well, I just got to go because I don't agree with you anymore. I was like, wow, how do I go from myself when I don't agree with myself anymore? Because there are times when I don't agree. And I said, where is God glorified? in that because he's not greater restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness than I'm going down the street because I'm a more perfect Christian than you are now everybody needs to find out where God wants them a lot of people have been in churches that they weren't supposed to be in for years and then Holy Spirit begins to draw them it's a whole different thing than just getting mad and angry and saying we got to split weights because love, being the greatest thing, is also the most powerful thing. Paul went from this stubborn, strong man of God to as he grew and grew older, you see a tenderness in Paul. You see it in his writings. You hear it in his messages. At the end of Paul's life, you see Paul writing, and he says to some of the brothers, bring John Mark to me. I have need of him. Hold it. Isn't this the same John Mark that you had nothing to do with earlier? You see a change in Paul. You, you see it in his, in his revelation of God's love. You see it in how he began to walk and live and even write. And then he writes that powerful word, the greatest of these is love. Next week, I'm going to share out of Scripture all of these things that the enemy will use against us. That if we will be patient and wait on Holy Spirit, God will use to develop our character and perfect us in things if we will allow him to.
I mean, this, this, this whole message is, I, is I've been meditating on these scriptures and thinking of the power and the goodness of God. It, it, in it, I've, I've seen my own weaknesses and failures. The Lord doesn't want you to beat yourself up because he surely is not beating you up. But oh, how he wants us to allow his Holy Spirit to stir in us so that we begin to practice love. Practice. If you want to get better as a young boy in basketball, you can't just dream about it, think about it, wish about it, hope about it. You got to practice. If you want to get better at golf and you're tired of shooting a hundred because your goal is you'd like to shoot your age before you die. And you're thinking, man, if I got to live to be a hundred, I'm going to probably have to give up golf. You have to practice. Steve Schaff, who I miss, think about a lot, Pat, Steve was such a mighty, righteous man of God. And he was a great golfer. And he helped me to find the love of a game by helping me to get better. He told me one day we were in the cart and in my golf bag I had no woods or drivers. I had no driver, I had no three wood, no five wood. I had taken them out years before and I just used my irons. Because if I hit a driver, it would go 200 yards that way, and then it would stop and turn and go that way when it needed to go that way. And so, and it didn't matter how many times I did, I could take 10 balls, hit 10 balls with my driver, and out there, there would be 10 balls <laughs> within a circle. I'll never forget one day, Shafi said, Pastor, you're way too good of an athlete to not play with all the resources you have at your fingertip. I said, well, I'm playing with all that I have at my fingertip because I took those drivers out a long time ago. He said, no, no, we're going to put them back. And so we went by my house, opened the garage, grabbed my clubs, and went back to the golf course. And he showed me what to do, told me what to do. Then he explained it by doing it. And I was like, Chaffee, you make that look so easy. He said, Pastor, it's called practice. So he said, line up. I got all ready. All right, get your hands. All right, get your knees down. Okay, tilt your head down. Okay, get this arm, do this. I was like, Steve, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I just want to swing at the ball. He said, yeah, I know. It goes that way. He said, now let me show you what you got to do. I am not lying. This was 12, 14 years ago. I hit a ball, and it almost went straight. So close. Right at the end, it just, he said, we're almost there. Another one, a little better, another one, a little better. 45 minutes of practice, and all of a sudden, I hit this ball straight, and it hit the net. I'd never hit a ball that far. He said, how'd that make you feel? Oh, pride. <laughs> See, I mean, this is what I'm trying to work against. <laughs> no, but all of a sudden, practice produced. Marriage, you got to practice. Forgiven. Being forgiven. You got to practice. And sometimes in the heat of battle, when you're ready to throw in the towel, that's called practice. You forgive. You respond. You say those incredibly hard, difficult words to say, like, I am. <laughs> I can do it. Sorry. <laughs> And then your spouse goes, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Not with that attitude. 
So you practice. You don't give up. You don't quit. Church, hear me. We got to stop quitting and be a representation of God's love on the face of the earth. First Peter chapter 1, I'm going to close here in a couple of minutes. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter says, you see, Paul was not the only one that came into a revelation in the latter years of his life that love was the greatest thing that God gave us. Peter writes about it, John writes about it, Paul writes about it. Peter says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, listen to this, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another fervently, ferociously, like a lion. We're called. See, Peter, John, Paul, none of them wrote anything that we don't have the grace and the ability to walk out. Amen? If he said it, if it's in God's Word, there is a grace to walk in it. Grace to forgive. Grace to be forgiven. A grace to walk in truth. A grace to walk in love. He said, love one another fervently with a pure heart. John says it this way in 1 John 4, verse 7 through 11, just a couple of verses. Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, he who does not love, does not know God. Yeah, but I've been going to church for 30 years. Yeah, but I've been teaching Sunday school. Yeah, but I've been leading a small group. Yeah, but I've been an usher. See, we can do all those things without love. And Paul says it sounds like a, a gong or clanging cymbals or a bumblebee buzzing around your head. It's sound but it's not producing life. He says, if we know God, we have the grace to love like God. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then lastly, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then he goes through, verse 9, through the commandments of God. In verse 10, he says, Love does no harm to neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And next week, I'm going to show us through Scripture how when we begin to walk in the love of God, the Ten Commandments, which you've never been able to righteously fulfill, begin to be followed. Not because you're trying to follow the law, but because you've allowed the love of God to work within you. You see, when you have that kind of love, you don't have to have somebody telling you, keep the law. The love of God will change your life. I believe that everything I see Jesus saying, declaring, speaking it with his words and actions comes down to this. It is better not to live than not to love. It's better not to live. Wow, that's pretty profound than to live without love. Love will change our lives. Love changes our destiny. Love changes our future. Love changes our eternity. 
the love of God working in us frees us from guilt, shame, condemnation. Some in this room today, you're, you're, you beat yourself up with condemnation because of your failures. When it's not that God's wanting you to strive to keep the law better, he's wanting you to rest in his love. And let it begin to, you see, conviction, it's a wonderful thing. It's so different than condemnation. Because condemnation comes from your own heart. Conviction, oh, it never beats you up. It just reveals weaknesses and then gives you the solution. Gives you the solution. We can all love. And we can all even practice love. Because love is the greatest gift that God gave us. Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you for the significance of your word and how it really does change us, works in us to bring us to a place where our life, we don't sit in judgment over others. And for those that, of us that have done that and done it often, Father, forgive us. Help us to realize those in the world that we have the ability to touch and reach and impact. That our judgment over their life and their sin will not help them change. But the love of God manifested through our lives, through acts of kindness, words of kindness, of forgiveness, of even sharing our own stories and our failures and how God took those, forgave us, redeemed us, and then established his grace to help us to fulfill the love of God in lives that desperately need it. I pray, Father, today for anyone in this room that does not know you and your love for us, for them. I pray for those, Lord, that have grown up in religion and religion beat them up. Religion condemned them. Religion always made them feel like a failure. Father, I thank you that your love does not make us feel that way. Your love is good and kind and gracious tender. I pray for those today that there's a stirring and a hunger. Those that are sitting in this congregation, those that are watching online, those that will listen to a podcast. Holy Spirit, show your great love to them. Show them how much you love them. No matter what their past is, their failures, their sins. I pray for them right now in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and believers are praying right now with me and for you. If you're in this congregation today, and there is a stirring, your heart's beating, your knees are knocking, there's a stirring and a shaking in you that says, I want to know the God of love. I want to know the one who created me in his image and loved me before I was. There are some today here out of the divine pulling of Holy Spirit. Today's your day to make a confession to the Father, to be forgiven of your sin, and to come into the beauty of his tender love over your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it would be my privilege today to lead you in a simple, life-changing, eternal prayer that will alter your future 
forever. But most importantly, it'll bring you to that place of knowing the God who loves you so much. If that's you this morning, anywhere in this congregation, I want to ask you just right where you're sitting to lift up your hand and hold it. Let me recognize it. And then I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer right where you are today. A decision says, I'm ready. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. That's you. Biggest decision you ever make in your life. I want to ask you just to lift up your hand until I can see it and recognize it. Yes, thank you. God bless you. There's others in here today. It's not about joining a religious club today. It's about being forgiven and loved the way that only he can love you. Anyone else this morning in this room? This is your day. This is your decision. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Thank you, dear. God bless you. Who else this morning before I pray? Biggest decision you ever make in your life. This is eternal. Yes, God bless you. Today, to know his love. Anyone else this morning? Yes, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Oh, man, he loves you so much. I'm going to ask you all to stand. If you wanted to raise your hand and you couldn't, when I lead us in this prayer, pray this prayer with us. Pray it in faith. Ask the Lord to come into your life as I lead you in this simple prayer. Some other time, you can come up, maybe even after the service, find a pastor, find a, one of the prayer partners and just say, today, I ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. Pray this prayer. I'm going to invite the whole congregation to pray with me. You raised your hand. Pray this prayer out loud. Mean it in your heart. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, your son, my redeemer. Jesus, I invite you today. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. I got a lot of sin. I've walked a messed up life. But I am thankful today that I believe that you died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could know the Father. So Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive you today as my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Healer, my friend. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you, come into my life, fill my heart, lead me, help me to walk out the decision I'm making today to serve God. So God, I choose you today because you first chose me. And I receive your love, I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for thee. Amen, amen, amen. I want to encourage you, first of all, when Pastor Jamie's going to come in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and, and close at this point. We're not going to, uh, we'll take time next week for ministry. I know that I have kept y'all a little while, which I do not apologize for. But I want to encourage those of you that raised your hand today. As Pastor Ron was talking and Hector talking to those in the baptismal tank of the beauty of a person getting saved or a person being baptized is, is not just their benefit. It's our benefit. Because God is giving us to each other. Red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight all God's children. He loves us so much. And we, we need you. You need us. Because we're better together as we walk together. 
because it's in someone else that God's going to use in your life to build you up, to help you to grow. You are not called to walk it alone. And so Pastor Jamie will give you the details of what you can do and next step and reaching out and we're here for you. But we encourage you, don't let this be a one and done and walk out and say, oh, that's all I ever need. I'm good now. Because you really need the body of Christ to become the man or woman God has called you to be. We need each other. We're better together as we build and develop, grow. This week, I think they announced last week, and it was on our e-line that was sent out that we brought on uh, Miss Nancy Lundy um, on, on our staff. And, and I believe that everybody that God has given Suzanne and I to help us to love you and minister and, and, and provide for you all that's needed. It takes a lot of people. And Miss Nancy came on, and as our uh, tendency is, we love to celebrate. We love to eat together as a team, uh, especially when they don't have to pay for it. So... Uh, <laughs> At prayer the other morning, I'm all spiritual trying to get us in the mood to begin to pray for our services today. Somebody said, well, it's Nancy's first week. We, we got to go to lunch. So I caved in as I normally do. And, and so we went to lunch and I had the privilege of sitting by Nancy and somebody said something to her about welcome to the team. And she smiles. Oh, I just, I just love this team. And everybody almost corporately said, give it a little while, Nancy. <laughs> we will be at each other's throats. We will offend you. You'll offend us. You know, we, we're, we're family. It, this is not, ooh, ooh, you know, we're just like floating. No, 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 no. We're real people. We get all up in each other's business. And we're better because of it. We're better because of it. And you, as a new believer, you need the body of Christ. We're here for you. So we love you. We bless you. We rejoice with you. One more time, let's give our hands to those who responded this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. Thank you.